you can't think yourself calm. You can try. So what happens when you tell yourself to just calm down? Or better still, when somebody else tells you to calm down. So how effective is that for you? Yeah, not very, right? But we can use the body to calm the mind and there are many ways to do this. And that is what this episode is all about. It's nearly 10 years since my burnout experience and I believe that it wasn't necessary for me to burn out and it's not necessary for you either. In this podcast, my guests and I share our real life experiences with burnout. We get into the science of stress and share actionable tips on how to prevent burnout and how to recover from it. I'm Hannah Holden, ex-management consultant and burnout survivor. I work with management consultants to help them avoid and overcome burnout. I help them to get intentional about their choices, rebuild their energy and embed new healthy habits so that they can get back to loving life. Today I want to share with you the idea that we can consciously shift our mood and our mental state through what we do with our physical body. I want to share with you a little of the scientific theory about how this works and most importantly I will also give you some real experiences of this at play here during this episode. So be prepared to get experimental and get experiential. Um, not, this is not just about giving you information today. Let's have a little recap of the first of this two-part series. So I decided that I would do a two-part series on the body-mind. The first one explained how what we think affects our physical body. And this one is more about how we can use the physical body to shift our mental state and our emotional state. So kind of two sides to the same coin. So let's have a little recap of last time. If you want to listen to the full episode that I'm referring to, it's number 11. Um, but first of all, the thing that's true for both of these episodes is that I believe that the body and mind are really one continuum and it's impossible to really draw a line between them. But I won't go into the history now, but history has led us to a place where we've delineated between the two and we're only now really fully understanding how they integrate back together and we can use them in a way that is complementary. So in the first of this series, which was episode 11 that I mentioned, I focused on how um, the body-mind connection is provided through our blood chemistry. I described how our thoughts are translated from electrical activity into uh, a chemical activity. So how those thoughts then lead to the creation of these molecules called peptides, which are like mini proteins, which then travel in our bloodstream and communicate that thought to every cell in our body at a chemical level. And then where those cells have the relevant receptors, that is then taken into the cell and it has the potential to change our gene expression. So ultimately, what I was talking about is how what we think changes our biology. And today, I'm talking about the other side of that equation, that the body can influence and change the mind and the emotional state. And we can access that chain of events between our thoughts and our emotions and our biology kind of in reverse. So we can change our physiology by doing things to the body and then that will have a knock-on effect onto our emotional state and our mental state. And that's what we're talking about today. So all of the organs in our body are constantly sending messages about their state of well-being, what they're up to. They are constantly sending messages about what they're interpreting about our environment. So for example, our digestive system will be um, have information about the food that is available to us and will communicate that to the rest of the body 
through both the nervous system and this um, blood chemistry that I was describing last time. So there's this constant communication happening in all directions. And it's worth knowing that about 98% of this communication is happening in our blood chemistry, with only about 2% of it being by the nervous system. And some yoga poses target specific systems, specific glands and organs of the body for this very reason. Um, there are really interesting breath holds, for example, that put pressure on the kidneys, which allow this fresh flush of water into the bloodstream after you release the breath hold. Um, so there's, you know, there's some science, there's some kind of traditional yogic theories and, um, and their kind of their level of science of trying things out and witnessing how does this posture affect how I feel physically, mentally, emotionally. And so we can, and, and all of this is kind of coming together at this time as the, as the science progresses. Um, but today I want to talk more about the nervous system and how we can use our understanding of the nervous system um, to help us shift our mindset and our, um, our mental state. So let's just briefly talk about the classification of the nervous system so that we've got a bit of, um, like we've got a kind of map of the territory first. So our nervous system is broken down into the part of the nervous system that we use consciously. So that controls our musculoskeletal system, which we have conscious control of over. So as I talk, I'm very animated with my hands. I'm waving my hands around as I'm speaking to you. Um, I have conscious control over what my hands are doing. And then, although I might not always realize it, um, and then we've got the autonomic nervous system, which is generally controlled without us having to think about it. So this is where things like our body temperatures regulated, our heart rate, um, but also the digestive system of so many things, the water balance in our blood, I could go on. Um, and, and again, this is the, it's the autonomic nervous system that I'm gonna be talking mostly about. Now there are three branches of the autonomic nervous system. One is the sympathetic nervous system, and this is what we need in order to get out, get up in the morning, get out, get stuff done. It's also at its ex more extreme where the fight and flight response is triggered. So that's all in the sympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system is like the other side of the coin to the sympathetic nervous system. And it, it's sometimes called the rest and digest mode of the nervous system. So that's where we are when we're in deep rest or we're sleeping. And then the third branch of the autonomic nervous system is the enteric nervous system, which is a set of nerves around our digestive system, around the gut. It's sometimes referred to as the second brain because it can actually act autonomously from the head brain. It does communicate with the head brain, um, but it can um, operate functions autonomously from the head brain. So it's sometimes referred to as our second brain. But what we're gonna be looking at is the parasympathetic nervous system. So that was the, the second um, of those three branches of the autonomic nervous system that I mentioned. It's the rest and digest mode of our nervous system response. When the parasympathetic nervous system is activated, muscle activity reduces, our thoughts process is relaxed, and resources get diverted to our digestive system, our reproductive system, and to the constant refresh um, of the cells in our body. So it's all kind of maintenance, the maintenance of the body. When we're stressed, we focus on our immediate survival, okay? So the, the example that 
is always used is, you know, we're running from the tiger. Um, and when we're running from the tiger, we don't need to worry about digesting our last meal. We don't need to worry about having a baby. We don't need to worry about replacing any damaged cells. All of that is low priority because we are running from a tiger. So other things get prioritized and those things get deprioritized. But we're all in today's modern world. Um, I've never met anybody who's been chased by a tiger. Um, so uh, what we now experience is far more frequently we find ourselves in that alert state. And therefore, and we spend a lot less time in our parasympathetic nervous system. And so we see an, a rise in issues with digestive um, functioning, with reproductive functioning, um, and also I think that there are a number of um, symptoms that we see that may also be traced back to our bodies not doing the general maintenance. So we need to be in our parasympathetic nervous system to do general maintenance um, and replacing old or defective cells, that sort of stuff gets deprioritized when we're in our stress response. There's obviously a load of other stuff going on, but I don't want to go into too much detail on everything. So perhaps it's something that we should dive into another time. But the key takeaway from today is that we can use our body to change our emotional and our mental state. So when we're experiencing stress, there are loads of things that we can do that. And equally, if we're feeling in a funk, feeling a bit down, there are things that we can do. And the physical body, I see the physical body as being like this set of levers that are there to be pulled if only we know how. And so I want to give you some examples so that you begin to know how to use the set of levers that are available to you in your physical body to help you shift how you feel mentally and emotionally. So let's get into some examples. Let's get really practical and experiential. Podcasts tend to be full of theory and information, but I want you to have this experience. So I'd like you to sit down somewhere in, in a chair or anywhere and I want you to slump. Um, so you probably shouldn't be doing this if you're driving along in the car, but otherwise it should be fine to be doing it anywhere. So allow your shoulders, so as you slump, you're gonna be curving through your back, you're gonna be rounding the back, you're gonna allow your chin to drop, drop towards your chest and perhaps the gaze comes towards the abdomen. You allow the shoulders to roll forward and come towards your ears. So you're kind of beginning to get into almost a fetal position, but you're still sitting. Notice your breath in this position. So the breath will become short and shallow when you're in this position. And I want you to stay like this for about 30 seconds and see how this feels. So you're gonna be breathing as you have to in this position with these short breaths. And I really want you to round through the back, maybe even allow your chin to almost touch your chest and allow the shoulders to kind of wrap in around you as if you're holding yourself in. Just allow the hands to be on the lap. Okay, you've done your 30 seconds, so you can sit up and reflect on how that felt. And now I'd like you to reverse that. So now I want you to sit up, puff your chest out as if you're proud, really puff the chest out and drop the shoulders. So the shoulders are now away from the ears and they're coming back. The chest is forward of the shoulders, unlike how it was before. So relaxing across the shoulders, but feeling a stretch across the chest. So you're beginning to engage into the upper back muscles a little bit and feel that stretch across your chest. And now stretch your arms in a way that feels good. You might just, just whatever comes naturally to you. So you might want to stretch your arms out to the sides or maybe up. Um, I think stretch through your fingers as well. So your fingers are really spread. And then 
on an inhale, raise your arms upwards so that they're either diagonally above you or directly above you. And the palms are facing forward with those fingers really stretched wide, chest is wide. And now let your head tilt back, the gaze goes up. And really, you might want to open your mouth slightly to allow yourself to tilt your head back as far as you want to. You don't have to force the head back, just allow the head to lift and um, come so that the gaze is lifted, the chin is lifted, but we're not really dropping back into the neck. So the neck's nice and comfortable. And now take some deep breaths here. So now I'm gonna ask you to stay in this position for 30 seconds, so deep breathing. Deep inhale in. And exhale out. And try that again. So deep inhale in through the nose if your nose is clear. And then I'd like you to kind of sigh that out through, um, through pursed lips, almost like you're blowing through a straw. Great. And now just drop your arms back down. You can just go back to however you want to, to sit or you can go back to walking if that's what you're doing. So I just want you to reflect on that. So what, we've, what we did was we used the physical body and we observed what the impacts were. So we, we changed our physical position, we held it, we changed our breath pattern slightly. Um, so this is, these were two opposite examples of how we can use our body and how did that feel like? I want you to experience it. I want you to take some learning away from this. How did it feel? Did you feel the same in both of those two postures or did you feel differently? And your breathing was different. So which felt better, which felt more comfortable, which felt more empowering, which felt more like I'm happy with life and I'm ready to go about my day. This is just a really simple short exercise to show you that what we do with our bodies affects how we feel. So now let's try something completely different. For this one, you're going to need to be either outside or at a window. I want you to be able to see something that's far away. And I want you to take your eye gaze onto that thing and focus on the thing that is really far away from you. And allow your eye, so you're gonna to have to stay there for a little bit and just allow the eyes to settle the focus on that thing that's off in the distance. I want you doing this right now. Okay, so you're just allowing the eyes to settle. You've picked the thing that's in the distance and you're allowing your eyes to get used to the fact that you're now focusing on something that is a long way away as opposed to how we normally are because we are normally busy looking at all the stuff that's right in front of us, phones, other people, laptops, etc. Okay, so I want you to just get comfortable there. You can do whatever you want with your breathing, perhaps your breathing will naturally slow, just letting the eyes settle. And so now we've probably got used to that focus. Now. What I want you to do is keep your head still and keep your pupils still. I want you to still focus on that same spot, but I want you to begin to expand your awareness. So I want you to begin to become aware of your peripheral vision and what is in your peripheral vision. I don't want you to move your eyes and look at the things that you see in your peripheral vision. I just want you to be aware that you have peripheral vision and you're taking in more than just that spot that's off in the distance that we talked about. So I want you to kind of become increasingly aware of what's around you, what's to each side of you, what's happening at the top of your peripheral vision, above you, what's happening below. You're keeping perfectly still and just becoming more aware of this. Becoming more aware of what's around you, becoming more aware of your environment. And now I want you to become aware of how you feel. So how is this making you feel? 
Are you feeling agitated, like you want to move around? Are you feeling calmer? Just notice how you feel. Notice any movements that are happening in your face that you feel kind of almost compelled to move in a certain way. Maybe your lips or your cheeks are moving. And what does that indicate to you? Do you feel different? Do you feel calmer? Do you feel happier? Now you can carry on practicing that for as long as you like while I continue talking. If you've taken what you had to learn from that, then you can just move on. But if you're enjoying that, then you can carry on gazing away whilst I talk. So the eye gaze and, the f and our, more specifically what we're focused on and the extent to which we're aware of our peripheral vision and our breath, our breathing rate, both of these are usually controlled by the autonomic nervous system without us thinking about it. Um, and when the sympathetic nervous or that active nervous system is uh, active, <laughs> when we, we feel alert or maybe agitated or even stressed, then our, vi our vision becomes more tunneled and our breath becomes shorter and shallower. We don't necessarily have to be aware of that, but that is what will happen. Um, those are natural parts of that sympathetic nervous system response. And when our parasympathetic nervous response uh, sorry, our parasympathetic nervous system is activated, we feel calmer, our vision expands and our breath deepens. And a whole load of other things are going on, but these are the two things that I wanted to talk about. So like our heart rate's slowing and our blood is flowing to the digestive system and our body temperature is being adjusted and so on and so forth. But um, these are the two things that I wanted to call out specifically because whilst they are generally controlled on autopilot, we can also take conscious control of them, which we've just shown, we've just done that. We can't generally take conscious control of our heart rate, um, but we can take conscious control of the breath and of our vision. And both of these are taking kind of attributes or aspects of the parasympathetic nervous system response, and we're consciously experiencing it. And so we're using those like levers to tell our body we're safe and we can be in the parasympathetic nervous system. And when we do that, we'll experience all of the attributes of the rest and digest response. We'll feel calmer, we'll have that deeper breathing. So you probably experience deeper breathing as you're practicing the eye gaze, even though the breath rate was really up to you. And it will have knock-on consequences of the things that we're not aware of. So our heart rate will slow and the blood flow will switch from running all the, focusing more on our musculoskeletal system to focusing more on the digestive and the reproductive systems. And I want you to remember today's takeaway. We can use our body to change our emotional and our mental state. I share some of my favorite methods for using the body to calm the mind in my free download called Essential Toolkits for Management Consultants. The tips in there work for anybody with a human body. Um, and there are, there are links to video instructions. I give the science behind each tip of what's happening, why it works, and I give examples of how I've used these techniques. So, um, it's kind of an expanded version of what we're touching on today. All of the techniques, the ones that I've shown in today's podcast and the ones in the free download, are all exploiting what we know about the parasympathetic nervous system and using that knowledge to actively and consciously switch that response on. Because we can't generally think ourselves calmer. Like, what happens to you when you tell yourself to calm down? Or better still, if somebody else tells you to calm down? But we can use these hacks to activate the parasympathetic nervous system and experience that calm that we're after. Now the vagus nerve is the main nerve of the parasympathetic nervous system and we can intentionally seek to stimulate it and, and that will allow us to have that conscious switch into a more relaxed state. So I wanted to talk a little bit because some of these 
hints and tips and techniques are targeting the vagus nerve. So I wanted to talk a bit about the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve for a start is actually two nerves. You have one on the left and one on the right. Um, the root of the, the, the name vagus means wanderer, like in the word vagabond. And that's because the vagus nerve is the largest nerve in the body and it wanders through the entire body. Um, it makes contact with pretty much everything. So all of the glands and organs in our body. It activates some of those systems. So for example, it activates the digestive system and it activates the reproductive system and it activates um, the activity in our body to replenish and uh, replace older cells, etc. So it's not all about rest and shutting everything down. There are some things that get activated when we're in our rest and digest system uh, uh, response. And there are other things that do get switched down so, or calmed down. So there's less blood flow to our muscles, as I mentioned before. And since many of the hacks that I'm suggesting target this nerve, I thought it would be worth us talking about that. And we talk, or at least you've probably heard about people talking about vagal tone, which is about not necessarily being more or less reactive, but having a more balanced response. And you can, there are a number of ways that you can um, improve your vagal tone. And there are a number of things that it helps with. So there are a variety of issues that improved vagal tone can help with, for example, headaches, digestive complaints, anxiety, high blood pressure, there's loads. So I'll leave you to look that up if you're interested. And there are a few ways that we can um, target this vagus nerve. And um, like I said, some of them, uh, some of the tips that I include in that free download are specifically aimed at the vagus nerve. But the one that I wanted to share with you on in real time today was um, that you can massage the vagus nerve and you can do that. There's a great way to do that at the ears so you can place your fingers so let's put use both hands and massage both ears at the same time use your first and second fingers and place one in front of the ear and the other behind the ear and you can kind of rub up and down the ear so one's kind of just in front nearly kind of towards the temple but not not quite on the temple and the other is running up and down behind the ear you can even get your thumbs involved and massage the ears themselves. You can massage the, um, the ear lobes. So there are a number of nerve endings in and around the ears that we're, we're targeting here. Um, you can massage the tragus, which is that kind of raised point that's at the front of the ears, just below the temples, it kind of pokes up um, and is, is just in front of the ear canals. Um, so you can massage that part. You can massage the earlobes that I mentioned already, or you can massage kind of the, the rest of the ear higher up. And then you can continue to massage the vagus nerve down the neck. So as you run your fingers behind the, just behind the jawbone and just in front of that raised muscle there, just under the jawbone and dropping all the way down, just following the edge of that muscle all the way down to the collarbone and your fingers will be coming closer and closer to each other. So they're basically um, just there at the, at the um, center of the collarbone when you reach the bottom. And you can massage down there, up and down there and around the ears. And you'll find that all of that will be massaging the vagus nerve, which will help improve your vagal tone and help you, um, you know, constantly switch on that parasympathetic nervous system, that calming response. So other ways to improve your vagal tone include practicing yoga and practicing breath work, uh, different breathing exercises. 
Um, like I said, I include some of those in that free download that I've put together. Um, I'll include a link for that in the show notes, so make sure you get your copy. Um, and I wanted to give you a few other examples of ways that we can use the body to change our emotional and mental state so that I have fully convinced you that we really can use the body to change our emotional and mental state. So exercise is a big one. I talk about this a lot in episode two of this podcast, how we can use exercise as a way of processing the stress chemicals out of our system. And when I've interviewed people about their stress response and I ask them, what do you do when, how, how do you already, what, what kind of ways do you already have in your kit bag that you can use to, to manage your stress? Almost everybody describes some form of exercise. Obviously, different people have different preferences, whether that be hop on a bike, go for a swim, go for a run, do yoga. Um, so everybody has their own preference when it comes to exercise, but exercise seems to be, it is the biggest when it comes to um, processing your stress response. And it's also the one that we all seem to be intuitively aware of. So that's a, a, a great example of how we can use the physical body to change our mental and emotional state. Yoga generally, but there are a few, um, there are a few specific types of yoga. Um, personally, I'm a huge fan of kundalini yoga um, because it is so intentional about how it targets different parts of the body um, for, for all these very reasons that we've just been talking about. Yoga nidra is deeply relaxing and yin yoga is um, a really interesting one for release, both muscle tension release and emotional release. Breath work is another big one. Um, so you can really shift your mental and emotional state by practicing breath work. It's very powerful. It's very quick, um, which is why I've included a couple of those in that download I mentioned, because um, what I want to give you in that download is instant calm. Ways that, you know, within 30 seconds to a minute, you are beginning to feel calmer. Um, and then, yeah, I've mentioned stimulation of the vagus nerve. There's loads of ways to do this. So we've started here. Um, another one that I haven't mentioned is that um, anatomically, the vagus nerve has some endings in the feet. And in Chinese medicine, they talk about acupressure points, acupuncture points down there. And obviously, there's reflexology as well, targeting the feet. Um, and whichever way you like to look at it, foot massage can help improve your vagal tone and also help you relax. I wanted to leave you with one kind of random thought about the relationship between the body and the mind. And that is that one of the areas of yoga that I'm most passionate about um, is that certain types of yoga allow us to use the yoga mat as kind of training ground for life. And we can practice being uncomfortable on the mat and see how we respond to feeling uncomfortable situations. Um, because the mat will just be a little microcosm of how we respond when we're out there interacting with other people in real life. And then we can seek to choose a different response. If we don't like the way that we respond in challenging situations, we can train ourselves on our yoga mat to choose different ways. And so sometimes I would find anger and frustration rising in certain poses. And now when I see that, um, and I start feeling like, how long are they going to keep us here for? How long is this going to go on for? I can't do this for that. You know, all of those thoughts start coming up and, and I, I can feel the frustration coming up. I, now I can just see it coming and I can laugh about it. And that plays out in life, right? So what I practice, I practice that shift in perspective on the mat so that I can shift my perspective as I interact with other people. And when I find something frustrating now, I can 
kind of take a breath and go, this is interesting, I'm frustrated, I can smile at myself about that. So that's just a little on how we can train ourselves and how we can use some of these body-mind interactions in our lives. Um, the last thought that I want to leave you with um, is that working with our vagal tone is part of this, right? It allows us to have a more balanced response to situations so that when we find ourselves in a stressful situation, we are more likely to be able to remain calm and choose the response that we want to have, choose the response that we think will be most beneficial for us as opposed to just reacting in whatever way that reaction might look like for each of us. So whether that be, you know, getting instantly angry or withdrawing and just disengaging or whatever it might be. And I'll give you a real-life example from a time in my life actually before I was really practicing lots of yoga. But for reasons that I'll go into another time, I jumped out of, out of a moving car, believing that I would be in danger if I stayed in the car. And I had put myself through physically stressful situations um, by practicing boxing. We would... Um, spar with our partners and we would feel mm, whilst we you know you knew consciously that you were safe and you were just kind of playing with a friend there were punches coming at you and sometimes it hurt and sometimes it took you by surprise and you did feel I did feel physically um, in danger in that situation my gut you know my gut my natural instinct was to feel like this isn't entirely safe but the more that you practice sparring the more comfortable you get with kind of rolling with the punches quite literally. Um, and so having practiced that so many times, I now had my wits about me when I felt that I was in physical danger. And I, I was in this car, I felt that I was in physical danger and I, I, I was able to make a choice that I was gonna jump out of that car. So I grabbed my bags, opened the door, jumped out and literally hit the ground running. That was potentially a move that saved my life, but perhaps in reality, it was all that work that I had been doing uh, on improving my vagal tone um, and becoming more familiar with challenging situations and getting to choose my response that really saved my life. Anyway, random thought that I thought I would leave you with. Um, the, that is the end of my two-part series on the body-mind, a topic that I am extremely passionate about and I love talking about. So if you've got any questions, just let me know and if you've got any feedback then I would love to hear from you um, it's been it's been fun it's nearly 10 years since my burnout experience and I believe that it wasn't necessary for me to burn out and it's not necessary for you either in this podcast my guests and I share our real life experiences with burnout we get into the science of stress and share actionable tips on how to prevent burnout and how to recover from it I'm Hannah Holden, ex-management consultant and burnout survivor. I work with management consultants to help them avoid and overcome burnout. I help them to get intentional about their choices, rebuild their energy and embed new healthy habits so that they can get back to loving life.